Hey, and welcome back to On Your Terms. I'm your host, Sam Vanderweelen. I am so excited to bring you today Parker Stevenson because Parker runs Evolved Finance, which is an accounting firm that helps entrepreneurs build profitable businesses. It spreads financial literacy. They perform bookkeeping and tax services. So I, I'm just really excited because I know that these episodes in particular are always so helpful to you. And I thought that we got into a lot of stuff today that I didn't get to cover with Keela when I had um, our CPA, our little resident CPA, Keela, from Little Fish Accounting on the podcast before. I'll link to that episode down below just in case you're looking for another resource on taxes and budgeting and business expenses for your online business. But I thought that this episode was really cool because we got into, you know, Parker, let's just put it this way. Parker works with like some of the biggest people in our industry. He, he has worked with hundreds and hundreds of people in the online business industry. So I think it's really cool because he has a lot of data and perspective as to like what, you know, he's seen go on in our industry, what people who are typically successful do and don't do. So I got the opportunity to ask him a lot about that. I particularly wanted to ask him for your sake about like what, you know, he thought people tend to like waste our money. You know, where do we waste our money? Um, How do we make like purchasing decisions in our businesses? What should we be spending more on? What should we be spending less on? What are some of the big financial mistakes that he sees people make in their businesses? And I got to even ask him like, you know, if people don't have a lot of money yet in their business, how do they invest in their business while also wanting to grow it? So we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about resourcefulness, um, adjusting our expectations. We talked about how to pay yourself um, and so much more. So I'll I'll let you get into the episode. Keep in mind, if you've uh, not been listening to the podcast, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, or if you haven't listened to some of my recent guest episodes, at the end of the episode, after I interview Parker, I'll be back on here with you to share my big three takeaways. I had so many takeaways that it was hard for me to pick just three, but you're going to want to listen all the way through so that you can hear those at the end. So without further ado, I'd love to welcome Parker Stevenson. Parker is the CEO of Evolved Finance, an accounting firm that specializes in helping online entrepreneurs to build more profitable and financially stable online businesses through their bookkeeping and tax preparation services. For over eight years, Parker has been advising some of the top coaches, course creators, influencers, and thought leaders on how to make more sound business decisions using their financial data. Let's welcome Parker to the show. Well, hi, Parker. Thank you for being here. Sam, thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Um, will you introduce yourself to all the lovely people and and tell them what you do? Sure. My name is Parker Stevenson. Um, I'm a co-owner and CEO of a bookkeeping and accounting firm called Evolve Finance. We serve online business owners exclusively with their bookkeeping, tax preparation, and tax planning needs. Uh, we also throw in a nice little dollop of uh, financial literacy and some um money coaching and, and business coaching and with our services as well. Been doing this for about nine years now. Um, before that, I've, I've worked at Adidas America for about five years. I was a musician before that. Um, very weird um, career path, but here I am um, running an accounting firm uh, with my business partner, Corey, who's who's the founder of the business. He's been doing it for 12 years. And here I am talking to you, Sam, about uh, 
small business finance. Yeah, not weird at all, in my opinion, because I think, well, first of all, it makes you unique, but also like I just so I'm actually writing about this a lot in the book that we were just talking about, um, writing a lot about how your windy path like ends up contributing so much. So I'm sure it's oh, helping you tremendously. Yeah, every day. Um, well, that's really cool. I think like a lot of my, we're trying to come up with a term, like a word for the people who listen to my podcast on your terms. And I oh. have personally recommended the Terminators, <laughs> but I oh. don't think that anybody else likes it other than me. You guys can let me know, but I was I'm just, a huge fan of you, that. Parker. It's just so unnecessarily aggressive, <laughs> I which think I think so is too. what makes it so charming. It's just hilarious. Cause I was like, I can't come up with anything. So for the Terminators out there, <laughs> now I can't say it with a straight face, though. What's, <laughs> what's something that you wish that they knew earlier about their finances? Um, it, It's so simple. Like, it really, this isn't going to blow anyone's mind. Just pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just see so many, Um, I mean, we get, by the time... Our clients come to us at Evolve Finance. They already have six-figure businesses. Some of them even have already have seven-figure businesses. And it's just so obvious that they like didn't want to look at this part. They like pushed off like really creating some financial systems, looking at their financial data, thinking about their businesses from a financial standpoint. They just pushed it off as far as they could until it got so painful and it was so obvious it was an issue that they now finally had to like play all this catch up in terms of learning about this side of their business. Mm -hmm. So I think just not avoiding it, which is a big part of what our book is going to be, is going to be that starting point for online business owners, whether their business is um, just beginning or their business is already um, generating lots of revenue. They at least have that stepping stone towards like, what am I supposed to do here? Like, how does this work? Um, but but aside from that, some more tactical pieces are, I think a lot of business owners don't separate their p- um, business and personal finances mm-hmm. early enough. I think that's, I mean, again, if you're an, a seasoned business owner, you're like, well, duh. But it's like, it's not no duh. If no one's told you to do that or you don't understand the importance of that, like it's such an easy thing to just go, well, I'll just run everything out of one bank account. And um, that causes a lot of complications in a lot of different ways. Um, so I, I think just getting that separation, really understanding your business and your personal finances are two very different things, which we can talk more about if, if you want, Sam. And then just starting to like, except you now have this new financial responsibility as a business owner. You don't get to just like collect your paycheck and go pay your bills, right? Taxes are already taken out. You have this new level of responsibility similar to, I think what you teach Sam, like you have this legal responsibility, you have this legal perspective you have to think about as a business owner now that you wouldn't have to worry about if you just worked for someone else. So I think the same thing on the finance side um, is just understanding there is that extra responsibility, but also understanding that, being able to look at your business from a financial standpoint is a superpower. It's an advantage. It's a really useful and really powerful tool to understanding your business better, to getting, uh, to making better business decisions, to being more like a CEO, to reduce stress around your business by being able to plan better and see your business for what it is, build your confidence as a business owner because you're not like ignoring a significant part of your Mm -hmm. business, which most people do with their finances. So there's so much benefit to that, but separate things, pay attention to your numbers and start whatever, wherever you need to begin, start building some financial literacy so you can really um, 
understand what your responsibilities are as a business owner. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and you're preaching what I'm teaching here all the time about separation. I'm talking about separating finances all the time and how mm-hmm. this is one of the things as, as a practicing attorney, I used to go after people in their companies for, because I would look at their books and say that they were commingling and that's what allowed us to pierce the corporate veil. Even if somebody had an LLC, we'd be able to go after them individually. Of course, these were always like high worth, high net, you know, individuals. So like sure. it made it a little you know, tastier than, than most of us, you know, um, there was usually a reason that they were like hiding behind this thing. But, um, but I'm glad to hear you backing me up on that. Why though, do you think that so many people do ignore it? Like how are they able to build businesses to six or seven figures and ignore it? And why are they doing that? I, I think just cause online businesses are, um, they're a little almost like nebulous, right? You're just floating around on the internet, selling digital products. You know, like all of our clients are either selling digital products or services. None of our mm-hmm. clients are selling physical products. So you you can just like start selling some things online or start offering some services online, even if you have a full-time job mm-hmm. still or a part-time job. And just kind of like all of a sudden, you're like, holy crap, like I have a business. Like this thing's making money. Uh, so what starts out as a side hustle or a hobby or an experiment can quickly turn into like, whoa, I'm selling things. I have an audience. I have customers. I'm making money. Um, but yet you don't have an office space. You don't have like a garage full of inventory you're trying to dump. Like mm-hmm. it's, again, it can feel almost like it, it's, it's not really tangible because it's so online that I feel like for some of our clients, it's like, it almost catches them off guard, like, whoopsie, I'm a business owner now and I'm making, you know, a, a good amount of money. Um, but but I also think it's just a, a lack of financial literacy. It's it's like the what our first two chapters of, of um, the book I'm writing is kind of about, um, you know, you go to business, like I went to business school. I was a marketing major, but I, so I wasn't a finance major. I took accounting classes. Mm-hmm. I took finance cl- classes. They taught me None of the things that like small business owners need to deal with. It's all corporate level financial skills. So a lot of the times our clients don't really have business backgrounds, definitely don't, you know, very rarely have any finance backgrounds. Even if they do have finance backgrounds, it's in corporate finance. So you get in this world of not just small business, but online business. And you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like a lot of the time your accountant's not very helpful. Mm -hmm. Bookkeeper's not helpful because they're not online business experts. So it's just not easy to find this information, to learn about this side of your business, which is a big kind of mission of our um, firm and of all finance is to not just like provide service, but to educate, which is why I come on podcasts like this and why we have our own podcast, right? But it, it is a little bit of like online businesses don't feel as tangible, but also like, where do you learn? Like, who's going to tell you all this stuff? If it wasn't for us, for our clients, I don't know where they would learn about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with you too about feeling like sometimes there's nothing substantive to like hang on to in your business. Like it does. I felt a little yeah. like I was getting away with murder in the beginning. Like I remember I was like, I can mm-hmm. just like post something on my website and it's for sale and then someone buys it. And then this money that I never actually physically see just gets deposited into my PayPal account, which I then just magically transfer over to my ba- my business bank account. Like it just all feels very weird and hands off and I, you don't know the people, you don't see them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's really, really bizarre. It's, so that makes sense. Th- that is a really good example. We actually had a, a client, uh, potentially someone you would even uh, know. She's been in the industry a long time. And when she reached out to us many years ago um, for bookkeeping support, she's like, uh, I need you guys to just help me because I had the biggest launch of my life. I had all this money coming in. 
I didn't know if it was okay. I literally paused my launch because I felt like there was too much money coming in and I didn't know what I was supposed to do with it, what my tax, like how any of this stuff works. And like that, that anxiety was real of like, similar to what you said, there's just this money coming mm-hmm. in. And, and what, what do I, is this okay? Like there, that what she didn't know, like that, that knowledge gap was like paralyzing to, oh, her, yeah. to the point that she stopped the money coming in because she wasn't sure what am I supposed to do here? Obviously she got that figured out. She's never paused a launch again. She's very comfortable with making lots of money now, but it is very surreal mm-hmm. and, and very, um, murky. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that our listeners are very used to hearing from me about how I actually think that like not having this stuff in place, not being financially literate, not being legally literate a little bit in your business, you know, just knowing the basics of what you need to do and taking those steps actually leads to stunting your business growth because you get so afraid of what you don't know that you like freeze. And then you're like, I don't know if I can sell. I don't know if I should be on social media. I don't know if I can say that. I don't know if I can write that email. I don't know if I should do that launch. And it's like, scary for them to put themselves out there. So that, that makes sense to me. Yeah. You said earlier too, that like, you think that knowing your numbers is like a superpower and it's an advantage to people who do. How do you think it helps us to build our businesses? Well, you're talking about like your business feeling a little nebulous, like your numbers make the business more concrete, Mm -hmm. makes it more real. Um, create structure to what you're doing. And I think so, especially for so many of our clients, people with online businesses, um, they think mostly from a marketing and sales standpoint, which is important. If you don't have a business that makes money, you don't really have a business. You have an expensive hobby. Um, So it's a really necessary first skill set to learn. Where are my client, client or my customers and clients? How do I find them? How do I turn, how do I get them to pull out their wallets? Mm-hmm. How do I serve them and, and, and give them a great experience? Um, so there's all these things that are happening that start to feel like your business, but in reality is just a very small subsection of your business versus your numbers paint a picture of everything. Because the point of your business is, can you make more money than you spend mm-hmm. so you can turn a profit? That's it. Um, I know in the startup world, um, and this all stuff I talk about, I'm going to be talking about in the book, there's this like, they play games where are you trying to make a profit? You're not really generating revenue. You're, you're getting investors to give you money because they feel like your business has value. So when you go public or you sell the business, then you make your, you make your money off the value of your business. What I love about online businesses, there's none of that BS. Mm -hmm. It's do you turn a profit or not? If you are going to build your wealth from your online business, it's going to be because you're turning a healthy profit, um, which margins in an online business can be real good. Um, That if you can see your business from that numbers perspective, which if you have great bookkeeping, you can get the financial reports you need. If you can build some uh, ability within your business, whether it's you as the business owner or someone on your team to do a little forecasting and budgeting for the future. What do we think this business is going to look like in in the future? When you combine your bookkeeping with a little bit of future forecasting and budgeting, you now really have all the tools you need to go, where do I need to put my time and focus in the business to make more money? It's going to tell you if there's issues in your business. It's going to show you where there's opportunities. Um, you're going to be, it's going to inherently make you think more strategically. It's going to make you, it's going to be a, a key reminder about the fact 
that you are doing things in your business so you can make money, not for insert one of the many distractions or reasons that pull us away and, and, and make us sometimes forget, oh yeah, like there's a simple game I'm playing here. Mm -hmm. Drive revenue for as cheaply as we can so we can turn a profit. And I always like to just say that doesn't mean, you know, being cheap with your team. It doesn't mean like screwing people over or anything like that. Like you make money, chances are your team's going to have more opportunities. They're going to make more money. You're serving more customers. So I don't want any of this to come across as, as greedy, especially because so many of our clients are very heart-centered mm -hmm. business owners. But the name of the game is to turn a profit and it's so much easier and so much less stressful to do so when you have financial data to look at. And I can assure you, every CEO, every executive in a big successful company is making decisions based off of some sort of financial data. Yeah, absolutely. And it tells me like what lever I need to pull. I know exactly what lever I want to pull based on what I see mm -hmm. going on. And I know now with enough like confidence and data to be like, oh, if I pull this lever, then this will happen. And it pretty much works that way nowadays. So it's, it, but that started early, right? Like, cause I imagine a lot of people who are listening to this are thinking like, well, that's great. I don't have any money yet. <laughs> I don't have very much money yet, sure. but it does start early, right? Like you're taught, you would suggest people start familiarizing themselves with this, even when they have a little less in their bank accounts, right? I mean, there's no better time to understand the basic principles of how money moves in and out of your business than when your business is small, mm -hmm. because then as your business grows and gets more sophisticated, you're there along the way, right? So you're seeing it change and grow. You understand the story behind it. You're watching the evolution happen. So you're learning as the business is growing versus again, if you kind of put your head in the sand and now all of a sudden your business is generating, let's say multiple six figures a year in revenue. And now you're like, oh, I got to get in here and understand it. Still very doable to do it, but you just have a little more catching up to do yeah. at that point versus even if you're just doing your bookkeeping in a spreadsheet going, here's how much revenue we brought in this month. Here's what my expenses were. Easy. Yeah. I mean, that's really what finance is. It's no more complicated than that um, at its core, um, at the core level. And so then again, as you make more money, more things start to happen when you then need to maybe bring in a bookkeeper, um, your accountant can start doing more sophisticated things to help you save money on taxes. Again, you're building on a, on a foundation of knowledge instead of like going, I have no foundation and now I got to learn everything from scratch. And then it kind of put that pushes some people to put their head in the hand, the, the sand even more deeply. So Absolutely. it's never too early to get started and it's usually going to benefit you more so down the long run, the sooner you get it. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Cause I, I always say the same thing about the legal side when I'm like, use this time now while your business is not that busy. Like everybody keeps saying like, yeah. Oh, I don't have enough to do yet. Or I don't have enough clients. I'm like, that's why it's a perfect time. It's like cleaning before guests come over, not when everyone's here, <laughs> like it's too late already. So we need to, we need to do this now. So I like, I like that idea. Um, what are three things, what are the top three things that we can do to set ourselves up for financial success, even maybe before our bank account necessarily reflects that financial success? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on on where where you're at in your business. But I, I think we kind of covered it already in terms of like separate your business mm -hmm. and personal finances. Um I think build a personal budget. I think a lot of people under underestimate how much their personal finances have a big impact on the business, right? The more you need to pay yourself to cover 
um, a large personal budget, mm. especially in the earlier stages of your business, the less money you have to keep in the business, to invest back in the business, um, to help it grow. And I think getting your personal finances in order is great practice at thinking more uh, financially because your business is really just another financial risk. It's, it's the same as your personal finances. It just obviously gets a lot more complicated. But again, your responsibility as a business owner is, okay, not only do I have to take care of my personal finances like everyone else does, now I have to make sure that the thing that pays me is actually making enough money to pay me and my team and cover all the other expenses, right? Versus you're not worrying about if your company, I mean, technically, yes, you can worry about if your company is, if you work for someone else, if they are financially solvent and your paycheck mm -hmm. is going to clear, mm -hmm. but there's a finance department that makes sure that makes sure the business is, is financially healthy. You're just doing your thing. You get your paycheck. It's super easy. So, um, your personal finances are like the gateway drug of finance. Get your personal finances in order. It can help you, um, help you with your business. And then the, the, the third thing I would say here is do not let anyone tell you you should do your own bookkeeping or your own accounting because um, similar, I'm sure, to the world of, um, of law, uh, there's always like a business partner or an aunt oh, yeah. or a neighbor who's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I can do that for you. I can do your books. No, I'll file your taxes. Your business is small. It's easy. It's like, no. Like what I always recommend is if, you're, if you can't afford a bookkeeper yet, Manage your books in a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. When the spreadsheet becomes too overwhelming for you to manage, that means it's time to hire a bookkeeper because it means there's more transactions going on. There's more revenue. So then you need a bookkeeper to actually do it right. Um, but taxes, I don't believe there's – if you have a business, there's never a time where I believe you should be doing your own taxes or someone's doing your taxes for free unless your spouse – is a CPA tax or an enrolled prepared. agent <laughs> yeah. or a tax attorney or something like that, then great. But even then, once your business gets big enough, I think you should be separating any family, even if they are accountants, from doing your taxes anyway. So yeah. um, again, cost of doing business, it's the responsibility you have as a business owner. Find the experts you need to help you with the parts of your business that could put you in jail. And the one part of your business that could put you in jail is the tax side of your business and your financial processes, um, your financial systems have a huge impact on your ability to pay your tax as well. Um, and tax is just complicated. I have a lot of opinions about that as someone who's not an accountant but deals with the world of accounting. But the reality is the American tax code is complicated. You need someone who knows how to do it right, can file it properly, and is taking some responsibility when they sign off yeah. on your tax return that I did things right. I told the client and take some responsibility off of you as the business owner. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you and me, Parker, we could start a church together. <laughs> 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 we could trade off on what week do you want to give the business sermon? <laughs> as long as the word Terminator is in the church name somehow, then I'm in. Well, it's the church of the Terminator. So that's what they are. <laughs> I say, say the no same more, stuff every day. I just like, oh, this is nice. It's like, finally, I don't have to be the bad guy. Maybe you and your wife are like this, like, uh, you know, you take it. You be the bad guy today. You know, yeah. I'm a very friendly, jovial person, but I'm very used to being the bad cop. Yeah, so it's very I know. comfortable. For I me. feel like I need that because sometimes I'm like, I'm telling you guys, you got to separate and you got to do this. You got to do that. So yeah, I'm I'm happy to hear. It. I really like that idea of like looking at your personal finances. I never thought about it like that um, because 
it, you're right. I mean, I could see so many people are just thinking like, how much money do I need to generate to cover my business expenses? But then everybody always hits this roadblock where they're like, oh wait, I can't pay myself, you know? And they, they really yeah. freak out about, about paying yourself. I'm going to ask you about paying yourself in a little bit. Cause that's, uh, I've had a few episodes on that before for myself and that's a very popular topic, but I, I wanted to ask you like, you know, what tips you have for somebody who says, cause I feel like I hear from people a lot who say, I, I don't have money yet to invest in my business, but I also want to grow it. And I just, I see a lot of people who are kind of stuck in that cycle of like, I'm waiting to spend money on my business until it grows. But then I'm like, to me, the subtext is always like, but it's not growing cause you're not spending anything either. But I'm also not a proponent of people like outspending their means. So yeah, I was just wondering yeah. what tips you have for people in that position. I think there's um, there's two kind of ends of the spectrum here because just to give everyone some context, I've been behind the scenes of hundreds of online businesses, looked over a gajillion profit and loss statements. I've coached uh, many business owners around making business decisions, understanding their numbers, helping them problem solve in their business. So I don't say any of this just as like a theory. This is just what I, it's, it's, I mean, it kind of is a theory, but I, this comes from experience dealing with people. Um, there are some people who are going to lean on a spectrum of, I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to spend money. I'm not worried about taking on risk. Those are people who are willing to like put stuff on a credit card that I know I wouldn't do, mm -hmm. um, but they're comfortable with doing that and are willing to take on debt and borrow money from family or spend their life savings to get their business going and, and off the ground. It's not what I would do, but it's a thing you can do depending on your risk tolerance. Mm -hmm. um, on the opposite end, um, there's like kind of what you described, the people who are like, I don't have any money. I'm not going to take the risk other people want to take a risk on. So I'm not, I'm just going to feel stuck here. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there's obviously a, a big range in between those two extremes of where you can kind of figure out what makes sense for your business. Now, I'm going to be honest here. I don't feel a lot of sympathy for people around this because being an entrepreneur is about being resourceful. Mm -hmm. You have a certain amount of resources available to you. You can think about, well, other people have other resources I don't have. Cool. How is that helping you to get to where you want to be? You look at the resources you have and you make a decision around what's the best way to utilize these resources so I can get to where I want to be. If you feel passionate about what you do and you believe in what you do and you are someone who's going to take action, it can just be time. You don't have like an online business doesn't need a huge investment for property, mm -hmm. for inventory. You don't need to hire a staff before your doors even open. It can be you with a website and some email software and you go and make stuff happen, right? Um, and so I think for for what from what I've seen um, and what I know about what it takes to start a business, there are so many businesses out there where you need to spend tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars to get a business off the ground and the types of businesses our clients start, you're talking about a couple hundred bucks a month. If you need to go get a part-time job so you can afford to invest in your business, cool, do that. If your business needs to be a side hustle while you're still working a full-time job, cool, do that. There's no roadmap. You figure out what's best for your situation. You figure out what 
risk you're willing to take because there is always going to be uh, an inherent risk to trying to get a business off the ground. But there's been no better time to do that in whatever way you want to do that and, and, and can do that in a way where there is low risk, where there is safety. The only thing you're risking is your time. So, so much of getting an online business off the ground is time. But if like spending a $50 a month on your email software is not something you want to do, then I, because your business isn't making money yet, that level of fear around spending leans a little too far on the, the risk adverse side. And maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you mm-hmm. if you're not willing to invest even that amount into yourself. So again, assess where you are on that spectrum and then maybe think about how can I find a way to get more in the middle? And again, maybe you have to do some mindset work. Maybe you need to get more confident in your offer and and really test it, take some action. But I don't have like a solid answer for everybody, but I, I, I do know that I've seen many people start businesses with very few resources and they make stuff happen. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I do think we have to be resourceful and adjust our expectations. Like you said, it's like, I think you know, I, I talk a lot here on the podcast about how one of the bad things about the many bad things about social media is that it has really effed up our expectations of like thinking that everybody sure. got to where they are overnight or that it was easier. They didn't make sacrifices and all this kind of stuff. And so I, I'm pretty open about the fact that it took me several years to build up a multi seven figure business. And, and like how, when I started, I worked part-time as an attorney. Like when I told them I was leaving, they asked me to stay and I was like, Oh, I really want to go start this business. But it was so tempting. Mm-hmm. I negotiated with them to go down to like part, part time at my full salary for six months. Cause they needed me that bad. They needed an attorney that badly to, to fill this role so that awesome. I was making the same amount of money for like 15 to 20 hours a week of work. I stashed that up like crazy to build my business. And so like on the side at nights, you know, nights and weekends, I was building up my business. I sold stuff online. I sold stuff on like Facebook. I, I was doing little like side projects for people. I was doing all kinds of stuff to like, literally like cashing in my piggy bank that I've been like, uh, you know, uh, stacking up. I think that maybe gave me my like hundred dollars to deposit my business checking account when I, when I started. So it literally, like, I just think people don't share those examples sometimes to say like, yeah, there are certain sacrifices, like to expect that this is all going to happen without any sacrifice. Um, it's just unrealistic in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. It's a it's a little bit of uh, tough love, I, I think, but uh, there's just so much exposure to entrepreneurship and so many people who think it just sounds so cool and it's something I want, but it's like, well, how much do you really want it? And yeah, do you have skills or, uh, that are going to allow you to be an entrepreneur? And again, I think resourcefulness, uh, perseverance, like it's so freaking cliche, but it's it's true. I I l- almost exclusively speak to entrepreneurs throughout my workday. Um, and, and all of them, all of them have built six, seven, or even eight figure businesses. And they have all those qualities. Yeah. Like they went, they went and made it happen. But I think it's also important to understand your journey doesn't have to match anyone else's, mm-hmm. right? Like you figure it out in whatever way makes sense for you. I don't care what another business coach says you should do. If you know what your resources are, you know, the skills that you possess the abilities that you possess, you piece those together however however it works for your business and just getting started is half the battle. And if you figure out whatever way you need to to get started, you're further along than what, where most people get. Yeah, absolutely. And I often remind them that 
building a six or seven figure or 89 figures, I often joke, if, you know, business is not, is not objectively like the best thing. Like if, if what works for you no. is like your business does something and it's, it is, it fits into your life or like supports a better lifestyle or you're just doing good in the world, God forbid, you know, the, there's like, I don't know, that's fine. Like it doesn't all have to be this. That's what, you know, and there's a, there's a lot about what I do. I, I often tell my friends, like I get, I get messages from people a lot being like, I wish I had your business. And I often think, I think you wish you had the result of my business of like what you see, but I don't know that you wish you would have done all the things I had had to do along the way. Right. And there are a lot of sacrifice, a lot of things that were given up, a lot of betting on myself, a lot of not knowing if that investment was going to be worth it, you know, and all of that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, really 100%. pushing for myself. And I don't know, I just recorded a podcast episode yesterday actually about like wanting the outcome of stuff, but not like I, I gave the example of like looking at Serena Williams and being like, I want to be Serena Williams. Like, I just want to be on that court playing like her, winning like her. But well, you would not have wanted to be a Serena Williams waking up at four in the morning, working out, you know, getting the injuries, no. the feedback, all of the stuff, the attention. It's hard, right? Sam, we could talk on a whole other podcast about this because I have so many thoughts and theories about sacrifice for results because I can assure you I, I wouldn't sacrifice to be Serena Williams yeah, right? so or Tiger much. Woods yeah. or Michael Jordan or whoever, right? Whoever's like truly the best at what they do. And I've seen um, what people give up to have certain mm -hmm. careers, to have businesses of a certain size. Um, and Again, I think there's just not, you can't see those sacrifices. And a lot of business owners don't always talk about those sacrifices because the people who have made them don't have coaching businesses. They're just running their successful yeah. businesses now. And the business coaches that do talk about um, business development um, typically aren't going to talk a lot about their own sacrifice because they don't want it to sound so hard, which I don't blame them because you want this to feel accessible so people can take the, the shot, mm -hmm. but you have to take your steps, right? Like it took nine years from when I started the business to now to have all the things and all the results that, that Corey and I have been able to gen, you know, create for Evolve Finance. Um, but I wouldn't have changed the journey at all. It's 100% been, 100 been worth the sacrifice, but it's been our sacrifice, our decisions, our um, ups and downs. So it's like, of course, I, I'm willing, I'm willing to do that because it's mine, but you can't compare what's your path with someone else's path. Cause you may not be willing to do what someone else did yeah. in their circumstances with their circumstances to do it. So figure out your own path, figure out what works for you. And I, I, that's all you can, all you can really do. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, especially here in America, we've prioritized money as being the ultimate, you know, thing, but that it doesn't, that doesn't have to be true for you. And it can also be true for you. And like, that's fine too. I'm just kind of like uh, open to all, like whatever you want to do is cool for you. Just make sure it's what you want to do. That's all, you know, and not what, well, not what everybody else is doing because it's what everyone else is doing. Totally. Yeah. Um, what's something that you think that a lot of business owners waste money on? Oh, almost anything. <laughs> I know. Right? Like, um, and, and, and I don't say that because don't spend money in your business. Like you have to spend money to make money once you get to a certain point. Um, I, I think it's more about um, not what they're spending their money on. It, it's more about the intention behind what they're spending money on. Okay. Um, we were talking about resourcefulness earlier. Um, the resourcefulness doesn't go away just because now you have some team members, you're making a full-time income, you're, um, you got all the things that you saw other business owners have, and now you have them. You still have a limited amount of resources. Um, and there is a certain amount of 
experimentation and taking shots in the dark and, and, you know, just figuring things out as you try to get to each level that you want to get to in your business. Um, but uh, kind of what I alluded to before, there, there's just a lot of distractions. Um, there's a lot of business owners who get to a point where they go, I don't know what to do next. And I'm just going to spend money on things and hope everything works out. And, and they don't have, um, like I know the word visionary is used a lot for business owners who are, who are the, the sole owners of the business. Um, and strangely enough, I've met a lot of entrepreneurs who do not have a clear vision of what they're actually trying to build, even though they are the quote unquote, the visionary. So I think the more you have a vision of um, what you're trying to build, then the less likely you're going to spend money on stuff that isn't important for your business now. Like sometimes I've seen clients spend money on things that's like, that's a thing you should spend money on. It just, maybe that should be two years from now mm. or eight months from now. That's not your, that shouldn't be your priority in this moment. Um, you should be using that money for something else or saving that money to build up your three months of operating expenses or whatever it may be. So, and this kind of goes back to um, your numbers, right? Like if you have clear financial goals for your business within the next 12 months, it's so much easier to make sure you're not spending money on necessary things because you go, this is where I'm trying to get to. Mm. Everything else is a distraction. If I spend money on this thing and it helps me get to that goal, then great. If I spend money on this thing and it's not really in alignment with what I'm trying to accomplish this year, then I probably shouldn't spend money on it right now. So it's that level of a, um, focus, intention, clarity. These are all words I think my client, like our clients of all finance want to punch me in the mouth every time I say because I say it so often. But our, our, our some of our most successful clients, they have focus, they have clarity, they have intention. And that focus, clarity, and intention grows as the business grows. You're not going to have as much of that in the early stages mm -hmm. of your business. It's something that you develop and grow as your business grows. But you have to at least have some sort of plan and direction of where you're going to go. Otherwise, you will spend money wildly, irresponsibly, and ineffectively if you aren't thinking about a plan, being strategic with where you want your business to go. Just going, I sure hope I make as much money as I can that's a strategy that will only take you so far for so long. Okay. I like that a lot. So spending more with intention and with a plan of getting you closer to the goal, which requires you to be kind of clear about your goal, but getting you yeah, closer having a forecast. to that. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like that. It's a really simple, uh, silly example, but I was just thinking as you were saying that, that I was watching a YouTube video the other day about buying clothes because I'm somebody who doesn't like to buy a lot of stuff and I only buy from like sustainable brands and all this nonsense. So I, I get all like, I, I like research a shirt for like a year before I can buy it. Cause I'm like, <laughs> what, what, what's the labor cost of this thing? So anyway, <laughs> I was watching and this girl was saying you should have like three words for your style. Like you should know what your three words are. And when you go to purchase something, if it doesn't fit within those three words, it's like, why are we buying this? Like, does it get oh. you closer to your style vision? And I was like, that's a really good way of thinking about it like budgeting That's for that. Cool. So I'm kind of thinking about that for the business of like, yeah, like me, I'm like, I always want to buy everything like beachy and like French coastal vibes and so as I'm wearing my striped shirt. And, and so I'm like, you know, when I look at something, I'm like, does this fit? No, that's not getting me any closer to like what I want to, you know, do. So that's what I think we should do for our businesses now. No, I think that's, I think that's really smart. And, and, and again, I, I'm not saying, Hey, don't, don't spend money in your business. You should only be, you should be 100% confident with every investment you make. That's not realistic. 
it's not. Um, Lord knows Corey and I have spent money on stuff that didn't work out and, and all that. But I will say the more focus and intention you have, the less likely that's going to happen. Um, and if there, and it, maybe this is a more satisfying answer. If there is one area of your business that is like, I'd say the toughest to manage um, in the area you really have to put your focus and, and intention into, it's it's team costs, it's labor costs. That is that is the biggest make or break sort of um, bucket. Um, our, the book I'm writing is called Profit Pillars, and, and we talk about the four different profit pillars you have in your business, which are essentially like four buckets of expenses that are all kind of related to each other that when you look at them in a group, you can gain a lot of insight into how your business is doing, especially when you kind of have metrics to, to compare, which we give those metrics um, in the book. But labor cost is one of them. It's your contractors, it's your employees. Like that is every business, not just online businesses, every business needs to manage those labor costs. And again, I think everything we just talked about, about focus and intention makes hiring a lot easier. So you're not hiring for people, hiring people to do things that isn't really important in your business right now, or, you know, things like that. So it, it, a more concrete example would be like team costs are a big one. Like that's, that, that's one of the trickiest ones to, to manage as your business grows. Yeah, I can imagine. So, so if there are four profit pillars and one of them is labor, what are the other three profit pillars? So we would have your, um, leading conversion expenses or uh, yeah, your leading conversion expenses is the first pillar. Uh, these are all the the expenses directly associated with generating your leads and um, converting those leads into customers. Like Facebook um, ads, it's some, for example. Facebook mm -hmm. ads, your Facebook ad manager, or even something as basic as merchant fees, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're selling courses, every course Stripe is going to take yeah. their cut or PayPal is going to take their cut, right? So you can see like who's taking their cut before the revenue starts to pass down to the other expenses. So there's very specific expenses under the leading conversion um, pillar that is specific to online businesses. From there, it then goes into the offer delivery pillar, which is what does it cost you to deliver your offer to your customers? And so um, for online businesses, this could be live event expenses. It can be coaches, teachers, instructors in your program. Uh, it could be the printing and fulfillment for shipping a book or a journal out to a customer who who got into your coaching program, whatever it may be. Um, it, it's, it's just kind of depending on your business model. And then you get into your labor costs. What is it costing um, you to pay the team that's, that's helping you run the business? And then you have your general operating expenses, which are going to be uh, a lot of the smaller expenses that individually don't really make a difference in your business. But when you add them all up into one group, they start to take a, a bigger chunk. That could be software. It could be your continued education. It could be your utilities, your legal professional fees, which is where your services, <laughs> my services would land on a client's PL, or I guess if you were doing attorney work. Um, so there, there's all these other um, smaller expenses that, again, make a big difference in a business when you look at them all together. And, and so what we do, our clients, we give them a dashboard that breaks their expenses down in a very clean, simple executive way so they can see like, ooh, am I overspending in one of these pillars? And then if they are, then they go into their profit and loss statement to go, okay, why am I? What are the, what are the individual expenses that are bringing me to a higher pillar than I really want it to be? Um, and it just makes the analysis process more structured, more clear, and, and, and easier to understand. Okay. That's really helpful. I, I appreciate you breaking that down.
What do you think about, like, I imagine you see a lot around Facebook uh, ad expenses or other kinds of like social media ad expenses. What are, what are your thoughts on it? Given that I feel like I hear from people a lot, people know that I run a lot of Facebook ads, but I waited years and years and years to invest until I knew Mm -hmm. if it financially didn't work out that I was fine. It was going to be a blip on the radar. Um, And so it was okay. But I, because I'm always out there telling people, like people come to me to like spend their last dollar, be like, can I, I'm, I don't know what to do. It's not working. I'm thinking about trying Facebook ads. I'm like, no, 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 no. I tried, I started Facebook ads when everything was working great. And it was like yes. pouring fuel on the fire. So I imagine that you have a lot of experience in this. Like what tips do you have for people about investing in ads? Yeah. I mean, I know that there's so many different Facebook experts with different perspectives. Um, from a financial perspective, what what I believe to be the, the prudent path is if you can't sell your offer to a warm or hot audience like, like it's shooting fish in a barrel, then ads are not going to solve anything. Your offer needs to be undeniable. Um, the way you communicate and position your offer to your customers needs to be super effective. And that's just, again, to convert a, a warm or hot lead to a customer, which is the people that are following you on social media, the people who are on your email list, the people you're cultivating a relationship with. And there's been some sort of trust built over time that whenever you do a launch or promote something, it's like, boom, you're selling it. Like it's again, like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, when I see clients who like have, okay, maybe it's just okay. Um, results from, from selling to a warm, warm audience. When they start dumping money into ads, uh, a cold audience is going to be even harder, harder to convert. Um, which means you're likely, you have like almost zero chance of getting um, a return on investment. Now I know there's some coaches and experts that would say, well, you know, the way you learn about what your clients want is you run money to ads, you, or you run, um, ads, you spend money, not a lot, but you spend money, you get feedback and data, you adjust and you go, and then you, you know, tweak things, then try again and, and work your way up from there. If you have the cash to do that, by all means, like it can work. Like I'm never one to say that like that's impossible. Um, but I know from a financial perspective, there's so much you can do as an online business owner to get in front of an audience, to sell to even just a small group of people and, and show and prove like people want the thing I have to sell. I'm really good at selling it. Now, what if I just had more leads and more people seeing my offer, what would happen? Then great go through that experiment. Um, But just from what we've seen with our clients, we've seen a huge downturn in Facebook ad investment from our clients who do have proven offers, who are really good at selling what they sell because Facebook ads have gotten more expensive. It's harder to track. So um, Facebook ads are more difficult than ever before to make work. So Sam, if you're doing it and it's still working for you, congratulations. You are like, the elite, you know, like you are, you are one of the people that, uh, or one of the business owners who's still been able to make it work for their business, even with the increased costs and the, and the more difficult. It's not as good as it used to be, but it's still working plenty fine, but it's not like the heyday I think is over or, or over for now. I don't know if it'll come back. Um, but what are you seeing people invest in something else instead? Like, are you seeing a trend? I've had that question so many times, uh, I feel like in the past uh, couple of years and, and the answer is not really like nothing. Like when Facebook ads started working, 
it just went whoosh across all of our clients' business. Everyone was doing it and obviously having success to varying degrees, but everyone's like, I'm going to ramp up my business and increase my revenue. And, and, and it worked for some of them. Um, but now I think it's kind of gone back to the drawing board. It feels a little more like it was like it's 2015, 2016, where it was like people weren't really dumping a bunch into ads. It was organic growth. It was content marketing. It's social media. It's uh, maybe a little bit of affiliate stuff. It's podcasts. It's um, the hard stuff, like the stuff yeah. that that's slow and steady and takes time, right? Um, but there's no... Right now, we're not seeing a fast track, right? Yeah. And Facebook ads felt like a fast track. Um, and uh, now it's kind of back to the drawing board of just like good old-fashioned organic marketing and and patience. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm seeing on my end. And like it's, it's pushed me to get back to my roots a little, which actually I thought was kind of fun. But I've always been an SEO person. I kind of built the business on the backs of SEO, feeling like with what we do in particular is highly Googleable, you know? And so I was like, I'm going to, going to go with that, try that. And so that this has only pushed me to go back to that even more, which I think has just all, it's, it's kind of like coming back to like the thing that's always worked for you all along. Like you've gone out, you tried the hot new thing and then you're like, yeah. Oh shoot, just the good old fashioned old stuff. It works really well. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and that's, um, that's kind of part of business ownership, right? There's going to be trends in marketing. Yeah. So there's in marketing, there's going to be shifts in the marketplace. Lord knows the pandemic um, forced a lot of our clients to be res resourceful and solve new problems they've never had to solve before. So that, that's kind of what we, what we sign up for here. Maybe you feel like you've, you've shared uh, like a bit about this already but what what do you think are some of i guess it's always helpful to summarize and if anybody else if any of the terminators are like me sometimes you have to hear things a few times <laughs> i'm really gonna work this i'm gonna just Don't. i'm just gonna force it i'm gonna stop works. laughing i'm gonna stop laughing every time you say it because i want this to happen i know and right? i want to normalize it for your audience we so whenever you say terminator i'm gonna be straight face and go yes that is the name of your audience there's nothing humorous or weird about it at all i'm super visual so like i can't stop picturing like the logo but like design of like the Terminator like wants to build her business or their business. I'm like, it just like is in my mind now and now I can't get rid of it. So and it's like the, the cozy version because I'm like a super like cozy person. I'm like, this is like the cozy Terminator version. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one who carries a wool blanket and has slippers on, that kind of Terminator. <laughs> I can get on board with that yeah. Terminator. That sounds much that's more inviting than I the need. one with massive guns. Yeah, not that one. I don't, I hate guns. So that's not going to work for me. So we're going to have to have like other, other stuff. But um, so maybe the Terminators want to hear this again, uh, but just if we could like tell them some of the mistakes that you see happen most often, I guess what I was thinking was like, you probably have a lot of data on like people who are not necessarily successful. What are some of the things that they're doing most often that you're like, stop doing that? Yeah, I think, um, it seems so simple. I think a lot of, and, and maybe this is a little more advanced, but a lot of our clients, I think get to a certain point with their offers and assume like I've made this much money selling the things I sell. It must be good. I'm going to, I just got to keep pushing and scaling it. Mm. Um, and maybe, and, and aren't willing to go is the way I'm positioning my offers. Am I pricing it right? Am I really packaging it right? Am I selling it in the way that a larger audience actually wants like product marketing, like the way you create your offers and what you sell, um, the way, what comes with your offer how you price, like it's everything. It is 
everything, your ability to market, like marketing becomes so much easier if your product is actually put together in the right way at the right price point for the right people, right? So really understanding your offer and who's it, who it's for and how you're going to position it and how you're going to deliver on it is, I know it's like kind of like a general, I'm kind of like a general conversation here that can go in a lot of ways, but so underestimated because I think for so many of us, we go, I made the thing mm -hmm. and it was really hard to make the thing. So it must be good. And there's some people who have bought it, but it's like you and I are both writing a book at the same time. Our first drafts are going to get torn apart yeah, by our editors. <laughs> oh my God, it's going to hurt my feelings <laughs> yeah. so much. Have a good cry that day. <laughs> well, like literally you just, uh, we just put an ungodly amount of hours, not even into our book proposal, like not even just to the book, the book itself, but the book proposal mm -hmm. and, and to, to, to submit that and go, I did it to go, cool. That's step one. Yeah. Or like maybe step two book proposal, step one, your first draft, step two. Now, great. We're going to edit the crap out of this and you got to get ready to launch this and you got to sell. Like there's all these other steps that if sure people would read the first draft of your book but it's probably going to suck. Mm -hmm. It's not going to get the results you want. And like, we got to edit this thing. We got to like improve it. So I think that's something a lot of our clients don't always think about is like improving their offer, making it better. All the things I just said. Um, the other mistake I think I see a lot of people do is they just sell too many things. Like I know mm -hmm. that's not as financy as people would think. No, I think it is. I think everyone goes, thin. yeah. Well, yeah, they yeah. think finance is like, don't spend money, mm -hmm. but it's like, no, it's your, your entire all encompassing financial strategy, including what are you selling? How many things are we selling? What are we, what's the price we're selling them for? And if there's going to be a theme word for today, aside from terminators, it's going to be res resources. Um, and every business has a limited amount of resources. And if you have a limited amount of resources and you're trying to sell eight different things, you're probably going to do fairly mediocre, if not a subpar job of selling all of those eight things. Now, imagine if you took all of your resources and got really good at selling one to maybe three things. Because I understand sometimes you have a main offer, you might have to have a downsell, an upsell, complimentary. Like, I get it. I've seen so many businesses that I can't just say every, every business can sell one thing and that's it. But the more you're down to selling, like you have a flagship offer that your business is focused on selling so you can not only create operational efficiency, which is code word for not spend as much money um, on supporting the business, selling that one offer, um, but it it just makes your marketing more effective. It helps you to get really good at mm -hmm. selling that one thing over and over again. Um, and then when you need to add other offers in, complimentary offers, it's part of an overarching product strategy that's focused on whether I have downsells, whether I have upsells, I still know what's the flagship offer. What's the thing I'm trying to get people into? And that level of simplicity is huge, right? Like it, it, we've seen clients go from struggling to turn a profit in low six figures to like hit that seven figure range as soon as they stop selling so many goddamn different things. Like it's yep. huge. Um, and, and so those are the two things I think from the revenue side I get frustrated with. The last thing I'll say is, is when, um, God, I sometimes I feel like I'm just a curmudgeoning old like 
business dad Join here. <laughs> yeah, like I, I guess it's just the nature of what we see yeah. and what we do. We see all the um, bad stuff. We see all the sausages, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A lot of sausage has been made in front of my eyes. Yeah. Um, but I think if you're one of those lucky people who your business starts to grow quickly and, you, and you're like, oh, crap, like what do I do here? Um, one of the instincts we've seen our clients go to is I just need to hire more people and mm. they'll solve the problems and then we'll worry about it later. Um, you have to be strategic, whether you're you're hiring your first VA, you're hiring your first full-time employee, or you're like us. We literally just hired our, um, there's 18 of us now out of all finance. So we just hired our, outside of Corey and I, our 16th employee. Like there, there needs to be some strategy behind that. You need to have some clarity around what are the roles in my business? What really needs to be there? Which again, ties back to, do you have a vision? Do you have focus and intention with what you're trying to build? Um, because like I said, I kind of want to bring it back to the labor stuff. Um, I've just seen so many business owners sometimes let ego get in the way and go, I'm going to hire a director of operations. And it's like, you don't need a director of operations. You need like an operations coordinator to start with, right? Or a business owner that's like, I'm overwhelmed. I need a unicorn to come in and fix everything in my business. And they'll just know. And they pay a six-figure salary to someone that's never going to actually fix their business because the business owner needs to do some work to show up and figure out how to clean up some of their messes themselves, mm -hmm. right? Um, or even as simple as like thinking, oh, I'm going to start a podcast. And it's like, cool. Like that's not a bad idea, but like you don't, you have like all these other opportunities for things you can be doing that's going to help you generate money right now versus podcasting is a long-term strategy. You don't really have the money to do right now. Um, why are you hiring a podcast company to start doing a podcast when you have so many other things you should be doing first to generate more revenue for the business right now? So, um, so team, just, just knowing when to hire people, knowing what kind of roles they should have in place. Like I've just seen clients get really kind of confused and overwhelmed with like when to invest, who to invest in stuff like that. So, and then the way you get ahead of that is just having some sort of clarity around what the heck are you trying to do in your company? Yeah. It seems like so much of what you're sharing today is about that clarity over like, what is the goal? Where are we headed? And then making all those decisions in accordance with like, does this actually move me forward? Is this a distraction? Is it just keeping me busy? Am I doing this just because I feel like I should be doing this? Like yes. all, all of that, but great examples. Yeah. And I feel like well, as somebody, Oh no, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please finish that. No, I was just going to say, I mean, as somebody who has only sold two products for seven years uh, and is surrounding uh, between six and seven million on one of them uh, in that time period now uh, is like, I, I just can't agree more with you about keeping it simple. And I have like a whole section of my book dedicated to building a high quality offer, not high quality offers, but like literally it's not just about, I, I'm writing about this in the book right now, about not just building the high quality offer, but like how I am continuously going back to that offer and making it better and better and better. And I'm like just treating it like it's this thing that keeps on growing and growing and growing. And I never thought I would have thousands and thousands of people in it at this point, you know, but that's because of that focus, that just really intense focus of not, not the, all these people have asked me to create different things and offer different services and be this and be that to them. And I was just like, no, I'm keeping my head down. This thing works. People like it and I can make it better. Sam, I, I joined Evolve Finance nine years ago. Uh, my business partner is the founder and COO, Corey. Uh, he had been doing it for about four years before I got involved. Just this year, nine years after I started in the company, we added 
a tax planning and tax preparation service. Mm -hmm. So we're now going to be doing taxes. It took us nine years right. to get there. Yeah. It was a no brainer. It seems so obvious. People told us we should have done it sooner, but we had so much work to do in getting our bookkeeping service locked in, building up the team, building up the competency, um, building up the expertise, learning our lessons, building the systems and processes that now, just now, nine years later, mm -hmm. we feel like we now have the capacity to bring on the tax side of the business responsibly without having a negative effect on the bookkeeping side of things, right? And service-based businesses are a little different yeah, than, than selling digital products. There's a little more at stake there. But just another example of like, we built a seven-figure business off of one service. One service. One service. Mm -hmm. And now everything we add on is going to be icing on the cake. It's clearly going to fit in with what our main offer is. Like maybe we move slower than some of our no, clients would want to move, but it but it's been super sustainable. Um and and we we're so much more we're so much more prepared to offer the tax service than we would have if we tried to do this even as recently as three or four years ago. So yeah. um again, you have to figure out what like I'm not going to go down this uh, rabbit hole because there are always these little exceptions, but I think for everyone listening, like assume you're not the exception, get really good at selling one thing. Mm -hmm. Like it, it truly is a, is, a, is one of those universal laws of business that I've seen work for business owners over and over and over again. The thing I was going to say earlier though, Sam, is I think, you know, strategy, planning, like that sounds like some, like something a dude a pale dude with glasses would tell you on a podcast, right? Which like, is definitely I, not Parker, by the way, just for everyone who can't see this video. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just watching the audio, I'm very tan. My vision is perfect. No, no corrective Parker. lenses whatsoever. Um, but I just want to encourage everyone to think about like, there's things in our lives that happen out of luck. And some of us, I think most people will just go through their lives just going, we'll see what happens. Some good things happen, some bad things happen, but you likely won't get to where you actually want to mm -hmm. be in any facet of your life. Um, so I think when it comes to to running a business, um, being strategic, trying to think ahead, these are things that like, again, I've seen business owners get a little lucky, fall in, right, like right off or in the right place and they make money and they get to a certain point. They can get to a certain level just winging it, but I've seen every business hit a ceiling and that ceiling may be for you not getting your business off the ground or that ceiling may be I'm never going to cross half a million dollars. But eventually there's this, this time where the universe will show you through your business where it's like, maybe you should have a plan. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should think ahead a little more than just today. Um, because if, again, whatever you have in your life, if you have clarity of vision around what you're trying to accomplish, the chances of you actually accomplishing that improve significantly. And that's, and I'm not even coming from like a woo standpoint. If you've ever worked at a major corporation, the CEO is not just winging it every day and go, Hey y'all, let's sell as much as we can. There are high level conversations around what's trying to be accomplished. What are the goals? Where are we trying to take this business that is very much rooted in the tangible real world? So if you want to take it as a woo stamp from a woo standpoint, awesome. If you want to take it from a hardcore business standpoint, awesome. But for the love of God, eventually when you're ready, 
have some sort of goal, some sort of vision for what you're trying to build. And so it's just amazing how uh, so many other things can fall into place once you do that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you shared that. I mean, speaking of goals, I feel like a lot of people often try to set the goal of how much to pay themselves or how much they'd like to pay themselves, probably based off of their personal you know, budget or like ideal lifestyle or something. Totally. Can you talk a little bit about paying ourselves, how much we should be paying ourselves? How do we come to that number? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it, it again, I think a lot of business owners go, just give me a formula. Mm-hmm. Give me like something I can copy and paste. And when you work in the world that I, I work in, there, there's some things you can do that. Again, our profit pillars are kind of like a copy and paste into your business. And you can now financially analyze your business just the way we do with our clients and and all that. When it comes to paying yourself, that's just such a deeply personal thing, such a circumstantial thing that again, if you, this is where um, nuance is so important. It's of course great to learn from other business experts like you're doing listening to this podcast, right? But you need to take the information you receive and filter it down into What's the nuance of my business? What are the circumstances of my business? What's the context of my my business? And I think it doesn't get much more personal than what are you going to pay yourself? So um, going back to the personal budget, I think it's really important that you know mm-hmm. how much you need to make. Because um, if you're if you're like, well, I'm going to make the jump into going full-time in my business. Okay, well, you better hope your, your personal budget is really buttoned up and that you're not overspending because you want to keep your personal expenses as low as possible so you can have as long of a runway to get your business off the ground and get it working mm-hmm. or make sure you personally saved enough money that you can support yourself for long enough to get your business off the ground. Your personal finances uh, have a huge impact. Um, we've had clients where um, they had high paying jobs in the past, like lawyers. Most of them always seem to be freaking lawyers where they were making tons of money. They want to get into the online business space. They build a business that's successful but the business isn't paying them what they were mm. making in their past careers. So they're always kind of pushing the limits of what their business can afford them because they're trying to maintain their lifestyle they used to have when it's like, you might get back to that lifestyle, but you might need still some more time. You need to adjust your personal finances to give your business a better chance of thriving and getting to where it needs to be. So you have to make the decision around what you want to make, what you, what you need at a minimum to support yourself. But again, that doesn't mean you have to just quit your job and go for it. We've had a number of clients who have built their businesses up on the side. You can either invest time or money. Right. Pick which one you want to do there. Um, so I think in terms of paying yourself, that knowledge of what you need to make is really important. Again, so we've had clients who like, they have a spouse that can pay all their, their income pays all their bills. So they don't really need to pay themselves that much in their business. They can just invest every dollar back in their business to help it grow. So it makes way more money down the road and they generate a higher profit faster down the road. Or we have clients where I'm the sole breadwinner. If I don't pay myself, none of our bills get paid. So I think you need to understand what your circumstances are as the business owner. So again, you can assess risk and figure out how you want to utilize your resources to decide can I get, do I have to get paid now? Can I wait to get paid later? Like you have to kind of figure that out. Um, for our clients who are already, they have a business that's generating revenue. Um, 
there's some easy ways to kind of figure out what the business can can afford you. Um, like with the dashboard we give our clients, we're able to show them, here's what you're averaging in profit each month. Because a lot of our clients' businesses, their revenue and expenses, well, expenses can stay the same, but the revenue can fluctuate, profit fluctuates um, because of that. So it looks like, oh, well, some months I can just take out a ton of money, other months I'm not going to get paid. Um, so what we like to do is kind of even and flatten that out for our clients by going, here's your average profit. If let's say that average profit's $12,000, cool. Now you have some visibility to go, well, where we're at right now, my spouse's income, my personal income needs, or if I'm the sole breadwinner, I'm going to use seven grand. Like the, the, the numbers are showing me I can pay myself, you know, seven grand, leave a little money in the business. I'm good to go. Um, so that you just, you need some data points. How much do I need to make? How much can the business afford? You figure out what's in the middle. Of course, our clients were just making money hand over and over fist. That's a really easy decision to make because they're going to make in tons of money. They can afford to, uh, they can easily afford their lifestyles. That's easy. It's tougher, especially when you're at the point where it's like the business is just making enough profit for me to pay my bills and pay my taxes. And that's it. That's always kind of a sticky place. Um, but, but what we recommend to our clients is figure out what that salary is. Pay yourself that salary every single month. And the way you build your wealth from your business is you pay your salary, you keep your salary the same until you build up three months of operating expenses in your business. We talk about, we have a whole chapter dedicated to this. Um, I'm actually literally writing it right now, which is crazy good timing. Um, it's like literally the chapters in front of me right now, but it's, it's weird. Um, but once you build up those three months of operating expenses that you know, like, hey, I have a three-month runway where I can get paid, my team can get paid, all the bills can get paid. So if something goes upside down, myself, my team, we have time to figure it out and we're going to be okay. From there, and some of our clients go, I want four months or six months. Cool. If you want to save more, that's great. But once you get to that point, you got a big runway there. So then if you have more money than you need saved up in the business, then you take a nice juicy bonus, right? You're still making your salary. Um, you're you're getting that consistent income, but then when you you know you maybe have a quarter where you did really well, cool. If you only need fifty grand in your business and you're sitting on sixty, take a ten thousand dollar bonus. So we kind of like tried to help our clients create some sort of a system where you can be responsible with like the responsibility you have to yourself and your family to pay your bills while also acknowledging like I need to make sure my business has cash in it mm -hmm. because if I have a bad month and things go upside down, like. Now it's going to put me in an even worse financial situation to try to figure out like my business goes in debt, like you can dig yourself into a, a pretty crappy hole there. So that's where, you know, as your business grows, you can decide, do I want to continue to take bonuses or maybe now the business can give me a raise where it's like my bonuses are so big. This is ridiculous. Like I just need to pay myself more on a monthly basis. Like you can kind of trust your instincts around that. But the reason so many business owners always ask this question in the early stages of their business is usually because they're in that sticky place where they're not making enough mm -hmm. to pay themselves yet, or they're barely making enough to pay themselves and their taxes. So they feel like there's some secret there. And the secret is know your personal finances, know what your business can afford and learn the nuances so you can figure out what makes sense for you. Yeah. Is that a cop out of an answer or does that make sense? No, it makes total sense because I, I've talked a lot here about how I think it's a lot of pressure to put on a baby business in the beginning to provide you with a full-time lifestyle salary for totally. like the start. And it's just not realistic. And so I'm glad I feel like we've talked a lot today about 
how there are, are examples of other things that people have done or how it takes time and how there's a little bit of a like messy start in that respect that it's maybe a unicorn scenario to, to have a business comes out of the gates, like supporting your personal lifestyle. It's, that's a lot to ask, I think. And, and that's where you figure out, do you need to work like what you did, right. Sam? I'm going to work full time, work on the business on the side, or I'm going to go part time, work on my business on the side, or I'm going to make huge life. We're going to sell the house. We're going to make huge lifestyle changes, lower my expenses. So the business doesn't have to support. So like you figure out what makes sense for you. I think for me, I'm just always liking to emphasize there's no there's no magic right. one size fits all answer for everybody. You're an intelligent, capable adult. Know your situation, collect the data you need to collect, the information you need to collect about your situation, and then make a grown-up decision around what you think is is best. Absolutely. Like, wel welcome to entrepreneurship. Like You've got we're this. all just figuring it out as we go. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm still figuring it out as we as we go. And you will never no, you will never stop. have it figured out, no. Sam. No one all of our clients making eight figures. They're still trying to figure out yeah. what they do for the next step in their like what well, I've never been here before. What do I do next? Yeah. Like we're all you're always going to be in this uncomfortable place of oh crap, what do I do now? And again, Welcome to the feelings of entrepreneurship. You either get comfortable comfortable in that discomfort mm -hmm. or you stunt your growth, you hold your business back. And, and that's fine too. If you just want to hit a certain level and stay there, that's great. But no one ever fully figures it out. Yeah. We're all constantly problem solving and learning. Yeah, for sure. I Well, I have loved this conversation today. And like we've both said, maybe we'll have to do a follow-up episode because this was so helpful. Um, I'm going to share my takeaways at the end of the episode. Something, if you haven't been listening to my guest episodes for a while, it's something I do now. After the episode, I'll kind of give my cool. top takeaways from everything that Parker has shared. But Parker, before you go today, will you tell everybody where to find you? I know you have some good free stuff for them. Will you share about that? Yeah, sure. If you just go to Evolved Finance, E-V-O-L-V-E-D, evolvedfinance.com, that, that's the place to go. If you're interested about our bookkeeping and tax services, you can schedule a free discovery call. Um, if you're not there yet, then we have a free audio course. It's not going to be up forever um, because a lot of what we talk about in the audio course is going to go in the book. So like, do not sit on that. Or even if you're like, you want to stay in touch with us um, for when the book launches, by all means, download the audio course, get on our email list. We'll obviously be talking about the, the launch of the book next year uh, when it's ready. Um, but you, we have, I have a podcast as well. It's called The Bottom Line by Evolve Finance. We talk with our clients about their financial stories, their money journeys, mm -hmm. as we call it. Um, so it's kind of like everyone that comes on to it says, oh, cool. I was a podcast guest and I essentially had like money therapy in front of your audience. <laughs> awesome. It's fascinating. So if you're, if you want, if you really want to get a dose of, oh, everyone's trying to figure this out and I'm going to figure it out too, that podcast is a great place. You can also follow us on Instagram uh, at Evolve Finance. You can follow me on LinkedIn at Parker Stevenson. Oh, cool. Okay. We'll link to everything down below, including your podcast. We'll share about the free audio course and everything. Thank you so much, Parker, for being here. Sam. Thank you. I feel like I just made a fellow like finance law best friend in you business did. here today. Yeah, <laughs> you did. <laughs>
Hey, hey, Sam here again to share my takeaways from that interview with Parker. I hope that that was as helpful to you as it was to me. I know I kept joking with Parker throughout the show. Well, for one, about wanting to call you all Terminators because I secretly do. So you can let me know if, <laughs> if that's cool with you, if you like it. Um, or maybe nobody gets my sense of humor. I don't know. But yeah, for that. But also just like I, I feel like he hammered home so much of what I'm sharing with you here each week about doing things right. Like it doesn't have to look like everybody else taking your time. Yeah. Really like carving out your own path, you know, doing it on your terms. So I thought that, that his advice was all really, really solid. Um, so I hope it was helpful to you. Okay. I want to share my three big takeaways. It really was hard for me to narrow it down, but here are my three takeaways. Number one is that I thought Parker talked a lot about spending with intention and having a goal, having a plan or a goal or really like understanding what you're working towards. Maybe you don't know exactly how you're going to get there, but you understand generally what you're even working towards. And I thought that was particularly cool when we were talking about how to make purchases and what to spend our money on or what do people waste their money on. And he said, you know, does this purchase get me closer to my goal, which then requires you to know what your goal is. So that was my number one takeaway. The second takeaway was about adjusting your expectations about how much money you can make, how quickly, how much you'll be able to pay yourself um, off the start, you know, for a while. Even just like, even if your business makes money kind of quickly, it's like, I thought his breakdown was really helpful of understanding like, well, we're building up three months of our expenses and like, we need this and we have to pay for that and we have to pay for taxes. So I think like, I loved his suggestion of really knowing your personal budget and using that to influence like really how much you need to pay yourself and really getting your personal budget dialed in. I thought that was so helpful. The third takeaway was that about, you know, knowing how you're spending based on the profit pillars in your business. So the four profit pillars that he talked about, and then he's going to be writing about obviously in his book that he has coming out next year were labor. Number one, two were about your leads, like uh, where your lead conversion expenses are coming from. Three was the offer or delivery of that offer. And the fourth were your operating expenses, your general operating expenses. So I thought that was a really good way to look at it. And I could see that being a helpful like breakdown of looking at your expenses in your business and being like, whoa, like all my expenses are really lopsided in labor or whatever. And using that to maybe help uh, slow the bleeding of sorts. So those are my three main takeaways. I hope that this episode was helpful to you. I would love if you reached out to me, if you reply to my email, if you send me an Instagram message um, at Sam Vanderweelen, let me know if you liked this episode and if you thought it was helpful. It's always helpful to me if you could just text it to a friend real quick, like text them a link, say this is a great episode. I think you'd like it. Um, or this is a good show. I think you would like it. And of course, if you leave a quick rating or review wherever you listen, I'm so, so grateful. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you in a few days. Thanks so much for listening to the On Your Terms podcast. Make sure to follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also check out all of our podcast episodes, show notes, links, and more at samvanderreelen.com slash podcast. You can learn more about legally protecting your business and take my free legal workshop, Five Steps to Legally Protect and Grow Your Online Business at samvanderreelen.com. And to stay connected and follow along, follow me on Instagram at samvanderreelen and send me a DM to say hi.
just remember that although I am a attorney, I am not your attorney and I am not offering you legal advice in today's episode. This episode and all of my episodes are informational and educational only. It is not a substitute for seeking out your own advice from your own lawyer. And please keep in mind that I can't offer you legal advice. I don't ever offer any legal services, but I think I offer some pretty good information.